Tabiso Musiya on SAFM. So I did say at the top of the show that this is one of the most informative and educational books I've read this year. And Professor Ashwin Desai, uh, part of the team that uh, wrote this book, joins us on the line. It's titled Line Breakers, the Rugby Playing Sons of Makana and Stirman. Good evening, Prof, and thanks for speaking to us tonight on SAFM. Great, great to talk to you, Tabiso. Thank you. It's an outstanding book. I'm happy to have read it before the interview. How did this idea of putting this book together come about? Well, you know, uh, firstly, I, I uh, studied at Rhodes University mm. um, in, in the early 1980s. And I became friends with somebody who played rugby Asheville and just got quite immersed in, in, in township sport of the time. And so it was, in a way, when I returned to, to Lecture Roads, that was, that relationship was, was invoked again in 2006. And Ashwell kept telling me, Bro, we've got to write this history. Bro, we've got to write this history. And I thought, my God, how do you write a history uh, without written records? How do you write a history without newspapers? How do you write a history where there's nothing in the archives? Like, you know, uh, and so, uh, and then slowly, I started to see these photographs and it just, it just blew my mind because you think, you know, history, you think, you know, things, you think you met people, um, uh, who played the game. And then suddenly it's the realization that in 1887, Lily White, uh, Winter Rose was formed in 1892, uh, Lily White, in, in 1905, Wanderers, the, these teams uh, were, 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 were formed at the height of the Hundred Years' War when, when uh, Tosa and Koi were, were undergoing the most severe forms of dispossession, uh, where cattle were being, were, were being looted, and they, great warriors, were turned into migrant laborers to go and work on the mines of Kimberley and the Highfelt, and yet people were forming clubs, playing the game at its highest level, uh, how, how could you not be moved to want to write that history? And we're going to get into those clubs. But well, I'm interested in that conversation you had with Urshel Adrian then that you must document this history. Did he tell you about the importance? Why is it important, Prof, to document our own history, especially uh, when it comes to sport? Um, uh, so because, uh, you know, we keep talk, talking about uh, uh, at universities, uh, on, in, the, in, in journalism, you know, we've got to decolonize the archive because the, the archive is racist. The archive is colonial. And even when people don't want to be racist, they become racist. You read books, you know, Luke Alfred would write a book on the lions and, and you would write about the proaches and the leopards. But he had no idea there was another group of people playing uh, a sport, liberation rugby which will be excluded from that book. So if we're going to um, decolonize the archive, we must also supply new histories to that archive. So, so that becomes important. And, and it's not history because of nostalgia. It's history because it is a catapult into the future. What kind of society were people wanting? What kind of society did they were trying to think about? And, and that is, becomes very crucial. Why do I say this? Um, if, if you look at the, the biography of Sia Colisi, if you look at the uh, biography of, of Tando Manana, it's as if they are post-1990 uh, uh, products, as if these are people who had no history before uh, before that. Yet these two surnames uh, form one of the greatest histories of the Eastern Cape. Fanon Manana was was a was a super spreader of rugby who came out of uh, Cramstown, went to went to East London, went to Cape Town, went to 
uh, Johannesburg uh, uh, forming rugby teams, and yet uh, Manana will not feature in any history book. So that's the power, that's the importance uh, that that that. Uh, the history of black rugby and its stars were not born uh, as a gift of, 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 of the demise of apartheid. And I was going to go to that because I found that fascinating that in this book, the names Manana and Kolisi comes up. Have you been able to share this with the Tando Manana who uh, says he was the first black springbok or Sia Kolisi, the current captain, that, hey, your forefathers were playing the sport a long time ago here, gents? Yes, uh, you know, I, I haven't personally, and, 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 I, and I know it wasn't meant, um, but, but I, I did uh, leave a copy at the Sharks for Sia Kolisi, and, and I hope he, he, he picks one up. Uh, because it also moved me uh, as a person who thinks he knew history, that has written books on, on, on the history of, of black cricket and so on. That year in 1905 in Makanda, one of the founder members of Wanderers is a Kolisi, one of the great uh, loose folds winning a number six jersey in the late 1970s, early 80s. Captain of the provincial team uh, of the area was Vujani Kolisi. And, and, and what a powerful time it would have been if the biographer of Fia Kolisi only thought to look backwards into the history of black rugby. Um, it would have rescued people from, from, from never making uh, the archives. And so for me, uh, that was one of the fascinating things to see how people kept hope alive, how people kept history alive. Why did somebody keep a, 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 a photograph from 1900? Uh, of Winter Rose. 1900, just think what the year 1900 <laughs> meant. It was the Boers and Brits were fighting each other. The tens of thousands of black people were put into concentration camps or forced to work as semi-slaves for the British or, or the Afrikaners. It was a time in which men were separated from families because they had to work deep underground on uh, in mines. Yet, there was a team that existed that played rugby and took a photograph of those times and and that's what people don't understand that this idea about how how to you know what is described as one of the most brutal exploitative systems mm. ever known in history the migrant labor system how did people keep dignity alive how do they have a sense of um of, of, of a people, and people, people talk to political organizations, trade unions, rightly so. But what they, what they rule out is how, for example, sports clubs kept friendships alive, kept relationships back into the Eastern Cape. Here was a man who was de-linked into, into the high belt or into Kimberley, but keeps a relationship with the club that he first played for, uh, or his father or his grandfather played for. So these are the links that may allow people to survive and, and at the same time, keep the game alive through the, probably the worst periods of our history. And what's even more captivating than Prof is the fact that you were able to secure these team photos from those years ago, the 1800s, the 1900s. And you say in the book, if I remember the words correctly, that tracking down and recording of players and administrators is exciting, but fraught. What exactly did you mean by this? Well, you know, it's, 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 you know, you, you have to tell stories that 
that break you and make you. And, and I'll say it, we say in the book, you know, it's a story of sacrifice but redemption. And you don't want to individualize things. But if you think about uh, Judge Lexing Party, he comes out of Makanda. He works as a barman. He mm. gets fired from the job because black people are not supposed to sell alcohol to a white woman. He becomes a furniture salesman. But he's a great rugby player for OC and then becomes uh, out of that he becomes the deputy judge president of the Supreme Court of Appeals. I mean, just think about that intertwining between a, a black person suffering the worst forms of apartheid, playing the game at its highest level, prefiguring a new society. Because the great thing about OC in, in Makanda, they, they weren't just non-racial. Alistair could see play for, for OC. Yes. Um, you know, they were building, not, you know, we just talk about a Serbian non-racialism, but they were building something called an anti-racist culture. Me, myself, when I went to Rhodes, we didn't play for Rhodes University. I went to for a team that was, a soccer team that was black, which meant that I wasn't just, you know, getting some black person to play in a white team. We're building a new culture, an anti-racist culture. Every day, my racist prejudices, every day, my racist stereotypes had to be confronted on the field of play. And I think that's what we even need now, not just non-racialism, but an anti-racist culture in sports. And you need to get your hands on the books, folks, to understand exactly what I'm talking about when I talk about these pictures. I mean, there's Winter Rose RFC, a team from 1900, and they've got a team photo there. That's where F. Manana is, the statecom, there's Mtamo and Mbilini, the captain there. And and also, these teams also have ladies' sections, a prof, and they even have auditors, like you highlighted um, in the book. It seems like it was also a requirement to have a ladies' section here <laughs> as part of the team. And that that is what I say about when people talk, even now, Women's Month, let's introduce something new. Uh, there's a new culture of, of, of sport. But just look at those photographs when you look through the book of women in the 1940s, you know, when, when, when apartheid uh, was telling people, colonial was telling people, black people are, are subhuman. When was, and that's black men. Women didn't even feature, you know, facing multiple forms of oppression and just look at those photographs just look at that woman, those women playing an integral part no, uh, of these clubs <laughs> yeah, exactly <laughs> exactly and and you know and that for me is is what was humbling uh both an honor to do but humbling because you know we when we think about traditions we don't understand we just want to write them up we don't understand what a powerful thing you know, uh, traditions played. You know, I, I came across this this poem written in 1979, you know, where uh, it's in the book, uh, Andile Nguza, he says, you know, I saw a group of elders in silken freshmen stamping down their sticks in rhythm as they spoke to us on manhood, pointing a stick to us. We have dipped in floods and famine. We still have cattle and land for our customs, for our customs are our sleeping mats. I mean, so powerful, this idea that despite the Hundred Years' War, despite the wars of dispossession, despite the looting of, 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 of what people, little people had, despite the attempt to stamp down on manhood, people were playing the game. They're playing the game beautifully. They were thinking the game. 
and they were even adjusting the fact through the lack of nutrition, through the to, to, uh, that they were able to adjust to play seven rugby mm. at a time when nobody dreamt of seven rugby, running rugby, uh, not boring rugby, mm. uh, and they were thinking through it, and they knew what their bodies meant. As as one of the Quinty brothers said, you know, we are known as I'm a plunker. We were mm. like planks when we knew we could be broken, so we are giving off the ball uh, quickly. Uh, down the line. So for me, in that sense, sometimes you, when you write history, you have an idea that you know what you're writing about. But this, the, writing this history was my own Damascus moment Wonderful. because it made me look back on the past. But as I was looking back on the past, it was changing me in the present. If you're just joining us, we're speaking to Professor Ashwin Desai, co-author, along with Ashwin Adrian of the book Line Breakers, the Rugby Playing Sons of Makana and Sterman. We're going to find out more about the teams after this break without giving too much away because we would like you to get the book off. Tabiso Musiya on SAFM. Now let's get into a bit more detail, Prof, about the clubs. I mean, there's so many clubs around Grahamstown at the time and they all seem to have a story to tell from what I read or a reason that they were formed. And there's a class distinction in the club. For example, a Winter Rose had an educational po- education policy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you know, you guys on the Eastern Cape, this thing about education, man. Oh, you know, uh, it, 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 it just amazes me. You know, of course, we read these things in history books of love, 